Oh, that's... That's, that's what it takes. It's what it takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? If Gavin's yeah. actually ill, it's not. It's it's. I don't, it's not fun. Uh, you've got the bad the bad times in your face. G- you Gavin, hate. you got you got you got flu germs. You got flu germs in your face, Gavin. Oh no! Yeah, yeah it's a bloodborne <laughs> beast. Ah. Someone's always got to be sick at Christmas, and yeah. and this year, Gavin, very much like you've been compared to Jesus before. Um, mm-hmm. So very much like Jesus did at Christmas, you have become sick for our sins, which is the, the which is of course the story and the miracle of of Jesus, the passion of the Christ at Christmas, uh, where he got the flu, so everyone else could enjoy a turkey. And Indeed, drink their the, wine. The, the song "Silent Night" is about the fact that he had a raging flu headache and needed everyone to shut up a little e- bit. Everyone, be quiet! I got the flu, please. Silent mm. night. I've got flu. <laughs> Don't come near. I'll give it to you. Excellent. Uh, it yeah, is so if, Chris... if I disappear briefly at multiple stages, it's because I've yeah. gone out to blow my nose and shit and don't it, want the poor it's... audience to have to listen to me snotting all over myself. Yeah. Is, it, is it just snotty flu? You're not doing like bad poo poo? Uh, no, it's mostly just kind of coughing. And it's, you know, when your sinuses feel like you just had a fight with the mountain? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that yeah, kind of one. Yeah, just all in the head, the head all region. You, you can probably hear it in the throat as well. It's yeah. a bit scratchy. I was that way, like, two weeks back. Like, I ended up really, really quite bad with it. But, like, really quick, like, really mm. temporary. It was awful. It was just after Thanksgiving. It was one of the worst illnesses I've ever had in terms of general, you know, flu slash cold illness. But it was, like, mm. a couple of days, right as right. Uh, so, hopefully, he's wishing you a speedy recovery. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is. It will be Christmas Eve when this goes out, uh, if all goes well. Uh, so Merry Christmas, listeners. You're quite welcome, Laura. Happy holiday Christmas. Um, you thank, know, however, thank, thank you for the holiday Christmas wishes. They are very much appreciated. I'm just gonna get drunk for a week, and it's gonna be wonderful. That sounds delightful. I'm probably. I'm, I'm planning various. Um, Chemical methods of enjoying the the, Chem- the upcoming week and weekend. Chemical chemical methods are the best kind of methods. Yeah, yeah, various various things. Um, so happy holidays to you. You're quite welcome. And yeah. Gavin, happy Merry Christmas holidays to you. You're quite welcome. Merry Christmas. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, so we're we're all in the we're all in the mood. We're all celebrating the birth of the Christ Child, uh, which what we all believe in, mm. and. Uh, we are going to get presents and a tree and what else do they do at Christmas? Um, have our racist family members over. Oh, uh, yes, so- that, that is the primary reason of Christmas. You've got to make sure they get all of the racism out in one day. Uh, at least I yeah. assume that's why they're being so racist at Christmas. I, yeah, but, I, but then they're not yeah. racist for the rest of the year. I, they just, I, they yeah. just re... They reshare Facebook statuses of racist accounts. Yeah, I, I do love that Christmas is the time that all of the racist relatives seem to appear when it is the celebration of a Middle Eastern couple and their attempt to flee from their home because of the bad things happening in their home because they need to find somewhere safe to go. And yeah, yeah. Christmas, well, everyone. They're not, those, those people weren't Muslim. They they believe they believed in a totally different God, not the same God at all. Indeed, they believed um, in the Jesus Christ who was not yet born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, if you've joined us for some <laughs> great Christmas satire <laughs> and political commentary, then uh, you're you've in the come... wrong place. Yes, 
because How dare you make we... such slanderous <laughs> negative comments about our work, Gavin? You, <laughs> you be... are meant to be here to be positive. Of course. To be fair, good. to be fair, people are are here for mediocre political satire and commentary. <laughs> and 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 you're all very welcome. Have happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you all. You're very welcome. Um, good stuff. Right, it's going to be a nice podcast this week because it is it is the time of the Christ child. So we're going to be uh, positive and happy and have a good time. And we're probably going to talk about good games, what we enjoyed this past year. Now, I've been thinking about this because this is a difficult uh, episode for me because I already did a Jimquisition where I talked about my games of the year. So mm. game of the year stuff for me, difficult to do because I've already done it. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you fine folks, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, you're all very welcome, um, you can talk about your stuff, I can talk about stuff that I, you know, didn't mention on, on my five Game of the Year roundup, um, for those who may not have watched the Jumquisition yet, I'm going to spoil it for you now, um, <gasps> so cover your ears if you, because I know some, one person said they were saving to watch, the, watch it at Christmas Eve or something, um, but anyway, my top picks were Rocket League, um, Downwell, The Beginner's Guide, Until Dawn, Bloodborne, Undertale. Uh, As some people called it, a hipster list for hipsters. Um, So that's good. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to those people. They're very welcome. Um, So yeah, those are my top picks. There are, of course, many honourable mentions, uh, some of which I'm sure will overlap with uh, your picks. Um, So yeah, I mean, I guess if y'all want to just kick off and talk about games what you like, we can do that. You want to you, you go? Will we do one, 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 and then someone does another one, and then we do it that way, Laura? One and one and what? one, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Let's do a one and one and one. So I'm going to try and pick some to talk about. Like, let's start with some of the ones that Jim didn't mention, and I'll probably talk about the ones Jim mentioned anyway because I liked a lot of those yeah. ones. Uh, well, game I think everybody th- liked a couple of those games, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So uh, games this year that caught me completely off guard with how lovely and adorable they are that I've not seen enough people talking about. Gravity Ghost is one of my favourite games this year. Gravity Ghost is a game about a little girl who's kind of dead. She's a ghost, because she uses gravity, hence the name. Mm-hmm. And she's up in the stars and she's all, hey, I'm going to fly around the planets. And she jumps and just sort of arcs with the gravity and does all sorts of very beautiful, mesmeric, floaty things. And you've got to try and collect ghosts of animals and put them back in the animal bodies that are on other planets and stuff. It's all very lovely and... Like, everything just flows very nicely. Um, Where the game gets really interesting is that it has a really goddamn beautiful narrative um, that I don't want to talk too much about. It's only a few hours long, this game, but uh, it deals with some really common, relatable themes about um, accepting responsibility for the consequences of actions and the terrors of having to grow up and the sort of fear of loss that comes with just being a general part of life. It's things that most people will have at some point thought about. Touched on in a really beautiful way through this like very childlike uh, lens that starts off very positive and very gradually grows into a more sort of adult and difficult conversations sort of narrative. It's really beautiful. Um... Other than that, a lot of it's just like, I'm going to launch off of a thing and spin around and float around in space. And that's really beautiful to do sometimes. Like, you're not having to fight anything. You're literally just jumping around on stuff. Like, you know how um, 
Mario Galaxy when you first played that and you did did the long jump on those little planets and you kind of really nicely just like orbit around them for a second. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like that feeling in 2D, but with much more like long form orbiting. And I really enjoyed it. I've not, yeah, I've not seen enough people talk about Gravity Ghost. It is. It's one of those ones I hear. Yeah. I hear the name of it a lot, but then I never hear anything else about it. I just hear its name come up a lot this past year. No, it's it's one that popped up like halfway through the year, and it had already been out for several months when I sort of got around to it. But right. The the narrative it tells, and the I don't want to spoil too much, but the way it weaves its narrative around its mechanics is really beautiful, and it tells a story that I think. The themes are going to be relatable for most people who've lived maybe like 15, 20 years in their life will have probably come across a lot of these themes already in their own lives. So, Gravity Ghost. Not enough people have played that. I really bloomin' liked it. There you go, Gravity Ghost. Yeah, that's that's one of them. Gav, do you want to do a one? Uh, yep. I think a few of ours are going to overlap as well, aren't they, Laura? So... We can both talk about yeah, some if, of these. If you bring up a game that others of us want to talk about, we'll talk about it. It's all good. Should we actually, I'm wondering, do you have like an order of like your top five or top six or something? I, I don't have a particular order. I'm, yeah. I probably will by New Year's where I will like actually grade them or something. But for now, I've just like chucked a bunch of games that I like this year into a list. And I'm like, which yeah. one do I feel like talking about right now? Let's talk about that one. Yeah, so don't worry about ste- don't worry about stealing mine. I'm happy to talk about them once you're done. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I've got six games that really jumped out at me this mm-hmm. year, and the first one on my list is Soma. And as I mm-hmm. said on Twitter, it was my kind of horror game because it was very low on jump scares and cheap stuff, and it was very high on kind of psychologically bothering you. Yeah, yeah. it. it I, is I mean, that was my that... one my one criticism of that was. Like there, it feels weird to say there was almost too much gameplay in it. Like, like it, <laughs> yeah. I think we've had this conversation before where it was like, yeah. sometimes it, it it's almost like the game thought to itself, "Shit, we're a horror game. We almost forgot. Let's yeah. throw in some Slenderman shit." By the what, end of the game, that was just slowing down the pace. I felt yeah. it's one game that I feel like really would have benefited from being like a telltale adventure game sort of thing, where like the kind of times when you had options to do things. They were very like, have a think about your understanding of morality and humanity. Do you feel like doing this? It's probably going to have some consequences that you're yeah. going to have to then think about again later. And it maybe could have done with less of the trying to have to sneak around stuff, which sometimes got in the way of pacing. Yeah, it had a very like interesting... It took a very interesting look at the notion of the self and what that means mm. and how much of you remains in the self when certain things change about you yeah. and I thought it, like, it was really interesting if if you have any interest in like transhumanist narratives and like even if you've just thought a lot about the terrifying prospect of the nothingness of death it's a very interesting narrative mm. yeah I mean it did it really well it did the um like because because many games try and tackle the idea of transhumanism and consciousness and and you know the human condition and all this <laughs> stuff, and so few of them are actually very good at it because a lot of game developers like fancy themselves <coughs> these these philosophers when they're they're kind of not. Um, but that game actually really did get into the nitty gritty of the mm. philosophy and, and did a really damn fine job. And it did it in and, a really non pretentious. At the beginning, at least, it it was very scary. Yeah, and it it did everything it did in a very non-pretentious way. Like, it had this very Mm. sort of, very terrified, relatable, 
protagonist that's sort of like, this is your very grounded view into these kind of conversations are really bloomin' scary. Thankfully, our protagonist is a bit scared of these conversations too. Mm. Which helped ground it. Also, it's terrifying. Plus, a gorgeous looking game as well. Oh yeah, it looks so mm. good. Beautifully atmospheric, especially the underwater part. I, I'm, I'm going to say now, I didn't realise before launch that it was underwater. I thought it was in space. I was like, I was playing that game for a while before I realised it was an underwater game. I was like, oh, I don't mind underwater. Underwater's also cool. It's just not what I thought was going on. Well, when when you first uh, get to that area, it does kind of have a kind of alien event horizon-esque atmosphere, doesn't it? And it's easy to kind of think, oh, this is going to be a spaceship. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's going to be a spaceship. I'll have no escape. Oh, it's underwater. I kind of still have no escape because yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm all this way underwater. That's equally terrifying. There was one moment in that game that really um I thought was so clever. There was um it's been a few months now, so it's a tiny little spoiler, but it's nothing big. Um where you you have to use the lights to guide you through the level and mm. just once they turn that on its head so that the thing you thought was going to be <laughs> Your your savior was actually <laughs> came along and yeah. killed you. <laughs> it, it's very good at that. At like just making you feel like you know how to survive, just yeah. long enough that you start trusting things. And there's like, nope, you trusted us. Oh, Dead. Fuck, the, fuck that cave with the spiders in it. Ugh. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Soma. That's a really good game. Yeah, many people were disappointed that I didn't give it a mention in my. Um... Here's here's the thing, because I did my six awards and then i gave honorable mentions at the end now on the jimquisition it's this it's not scripted the intro and outro the stuff you see where there's gameplay footage or whatever playing what what i call the the studio bit is is scripted the on camera stuff when i'm behind the lectern isn't so when i do the honorable mentions at the end like I'm panicking trying to remember shit. Yeah. And I probably should have like written it on the back of my glove or something. <laughs> um, so I only mentioned Splatoon and The Witcher 3 when ultimately there were things I should have mentioned Fallout 4 and I should have, I definitely should have given a mention to Soma um, mm. because it, it really was one of the most interesting games of the year. One of the mm. finest uh, uh, modern horror games to have come out it, because it didn't try mm. too hard to be a horror mm. game. So I, I hope it does well. And I hope mm-hmm. that they... I would love to see that studio. They've got such a great foundation in their games, so I would love to see one of their games with maybe just a tiny bit less of the sneaking around monsters. Mm. Yeah, Soma is one of these games. I really didn't think it would be my cup of tea until I got through it and suddenly I realised, oh, yeah, you took a genre that's not really my thing and you made me really enjoy it. So that's Mm. that's a pretty big compliment to Soma. Did those devs make um, Machine for Pigs or Dark they Descent? D- uh, Machine for Pigs, I think. I don't know. I believe. I might be wrong on that, but... Either way, they yeah. anyway, they did a great job. Yeah, so there we go. Jim, do you want to talk about a game? Yeah, yeah Jim, talk, talk about, talk about the, one of the ones you left out of your... Um, your gym yeah, yeah, words. yeah. I'll talk about one of the ones I left out. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with one of the honourable mentions. I won't, I won't go with one of the honourable mentions because I have a certain feeling that a certain Gavin will have it <laughs> listed as as an actual pick. Um, but one I well, guess my won't my come... my game of the year. What isn't my game of the year is probably going to surprise people. <laughs> okay, well, mm. um, but I will go with uh, Splatoon, mm. um, which uh, certainly not. Even, even among games that I didn't give an award to, didn't score 
as high as some of the games that, that I didn't even give an award to. But definitely deserves mention for being one of the most original um, games to have come out. For mm. taking competitive multiplayer shooting and just doing something really clever with it, really fun with it, in a way that... that that I found really engaging to the point where even though it didn't launch with with a huge amount of content, was actually, um, <coughs> like, I kept going back to it. You know, people mm. talk about replay value as if that's always new content, but, like, I found the base content easy to just keep playing and playing and playing. Uh, and this doesn't even enter into the fact that it's one of the few games out there that took the idea of games as service, which is a big buzzword, mm. or a buzz term, I guess, that the industry uses, usually to justify DLC. But they actually did turn Splatoon into a game as a service. There's always a reason to keep going back to it. There's always some new event. There's always new content, free content coming out all the time. New maps, new game modes. Um, they had a big update in August and everything. Uh, there's always a reason to keep going back to it, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Um, it's got it a really be great sense to of... know actually the the consistent size of the player base. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to know. Uh, um, I don't know how much of it is anecdotal, but it seems like it kept up its player base much better than um, contemporary games like um, Titanfall or Evolve did. At the yeah, very yeah, least, I've seen a lot more people talk about continuing to play Splatoon. Evolve, it certainly like, kept in the public consciousness. As soon as it came out, didn't it? I so, don't hear so anyone talking about that game. Titanfall dropped off the radar pretty quickly as well. Yeah. Within a month or so, it's just off people's radar. Yeah, Evolve was a surprise. Like I keep forgetting it came out this year. Mm. Like it feels like it came out last year. And and again, it's anecdotal, but I know a lot of people had the same reaction. Like I I, I mentioned Evolve somewhere. Like I think in the last. The Jimquisition and yeah, the the Jimquisition before the awards, like last week, and people were like, holy shit, I forgot it came out this year. Yeah. Um, but whereas Splatoon, I think, is kept in the public consciousness in part thanks to you know memes. It's had a lot of <laughs> mimetic value to it. Um, but but yeah, and I, I think having not so much competition as well. I mean, you can get. Like Call of Duty and, and, and other sh Rainbow Six and Star Wars Battlefront, there's always competition happening on PS4, Xbox One and PC. Whereas the Wii U, there isn't another like there isn't another high profile multiplayer shooter. Well, like, there's yeah. no console that has like a comparable child friendly like multiplayer online shooter that doesn't focus on shooting targets as much as it does on shooting environments. Like, yeah. where, where else do you find a comparison point to that? Yeah, like, the game itself has no compare, and there's no, like, comp there's not even a comparable online competitive experience on mm. the console it's on, which I think has probably given it, like, a sense of, a greater sense of longevity, despite the Wii U's, you know, I guess, smaller install base than everything, you know, yeah. the other systems. It's still, the game itself has had staying power, and I really think that Splatoon has... Uh, potential to be like a big thing for Nintendo. Fingers yeah. crossed. Because like, like I said, I, I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Like clever, clever, clever the, stuff. The message I really hope this sends to Nintendo is, hey, if you create new IPs and put some like time and effort into them, they'll do well. People like it when you do new IPs. Yeah. I hope that's the message they take away from this because this is yeah. the first time they've done a new IP since what? Pikmin? And it's done really well. Yeah. Cool. Splatoon. Splatoon is good. I, yeah, I, so that's good stuff. Yeah, I've been and very impressed at how well they've kept the content up. Hooray, Splatoon. Hooray! Hooray! And I guess that will be me passing the baton back to Laura. 
Hey. What else you got for us? Well, let's let's do one that everyone kind of knows is going to be on mine, but that I don't think mm-hmm. is going to be on either Jim's or Gavin's. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Life, Life is Strange. Is strange. Yeah. <laughs> it was going to be. Okay. Hipster. Tumblr. I know. I'm, I'm a Tumblr meme hipster. It's my, hella my rad. My so-called life is strange. I'm, I'm going to take a hella rad selfie, yo. Um, so life is strange uh, for yeah. anyone who's not heard me talking about it yet. Uh, episodic adventure game about like hipster teen art school that has magic powers happen. Um, it's been a very up and down series. I'm not going to say that it's the most polished release this year by a country mile. It is definitely not that. Um, What I think is really interesting about Life is Strange is... uh, uh, There's a couple of things. First of all, I think the inclusion of time travel in a choice-based adventure game is a stroke of genius. (coughs) I think the ability to make your choices in, like, a dialogue tree, see what happens, watch it play out, rewind go back to that choice menu and commit to picking a short-term, like, a choice knowing the short-term outcomes and, like, fully understanding the implications of the long-term outcomes, I think is fantastic and is, like, really good for that because it means that you don't Mm -hmm. have to do multiple playthroughs to see, like, the short-term options you've got available to you. It's like, no, I can see all of my options, see how they're going to play out right now, see what pros and cons they're going to have. What do I want to commit to? And it gives you a real sense of ownership of... So can or, can you fuck how up in the game? Or is oh, it you like totally pretty can. Much, you yeah. can f- the, the, the thing with fucking up is that you can rewind only a certain amount of time. So like yeah. you can see maybe the five minutes or so after your choice... Yeah. But you don't know what's going to happen an episode or two from now because yeah. of that thing you chose. Okay. And like what what that does is it gives you like a really strong sense of I understood everything about that choice I was making. I fully understood the consequences. This thing that's happening to me two or three episodes later, I made that choice. I don't feel like I was misled into making that choice. Mm. And that really strengthens that kind of narrative formula, I think. Um The other thing that I really like about Life is Strange is that while it's not always flawless at this, it took some really big chances at telling some very difficult real-world narratives that I rarely see games take the risk to give players agency during. Um, Talking a little bit about, like, very minor spoilers here. I'm going to try and keep this pretty spoiler-free. Um... The second episode ends with a very heavy moment of player agency that I can't think of another game that's ever given players control over that kind of moment. Um, There is a point in the third episode, um, maybe the fourth episode it might be, where um, you are given like an impossible choice and like, right, what are you going to do here? And they're all real-world choices that I very rarely see games take the chance to put in front of players. Like, the writing's sometimes a bit cheesy. I absolutely love the characters, but that's because I know I have, like, a an emo hipster 16-year-old <laughs> somewhere inside my head because, you know, everyone does. Um, I think that Chloe <coughs> is, like, my favourite character in anything, and I just want to marry her. She's wonderful. And, yeah... Life is Strange was hella rad. <laughs> hella rad. I only ever did, I you know, I, I played episode one and mm. found the, the dialogue 
uncomfortable enough to mm. not want to play episode two. Um, I actually did have people today, um, in fact, uh, recommend I at least try episode two because yeah. it, it does improve a lot. Episode By the time you reach episode two, they cut out a lot of the irritating dialogue. Um, later episodes even reference how bad that early dialogue was and they're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, I also think like, Episode 2 has a far stronger narrative than the first episode for getting you actually hooked in with what this game is good right. at. I think if you give episode 2 a shot and you don't enjoy episode 2, series definitely isn't for you. I'd say episode 2 is really worth a shot because I think that is like where you see, oh, yeah. this is the strength of this narrative they're telling. I think it's definitely... It's on my... Um... I guess my my ever growing list of things I need to go back and do when I've got the time. You yeah, know, I, I, I've got so many of those. <laughs> that yeah. that that review of Halo Five is still a, a possibility. It's, folks. it's still possible. <laughs> so yeah, I know it's not either of your cups of tea, but being like a a hipster teen that was like, oh, I love my rock music and my colourful hair. It was everything I kind of wanted in a video game, so there you go. Well, it, it doesn't have to be either of our cups of tea. Enough. I mean, it's it's yeah. your choice, you know. Yeah. It's your yeah. it's your pick, so, and, there, and there I really you go. I've, that. I have admitted to being Tumblr, the the game critic. It's fine. <laughs> I, I admit it. That, I always found that silly, anyway. To be honest, I mean, just yeah. like it was. It was a game that had like girls in it. It had the stars, it had two girls in it, was... it. One of them went to art school and one had blue hair. Yeah. Therefore, they it were is calling feminism it game. Tumblr the game before it had even come out, and I'm like, yeah. come on, like, like let's, like I'm not saying Tumblr doesn't have its silly, silly corners, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, come on, I'm, let, I'm let's... flat out admit the first thing that came into my head when I saw it was Tumblr the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, give it a chance, guys. I, I saw it in EDX like two and a half years ago, and like yeah. it was the big thing I came away from that show. Like, I want this game. So, yeah, life is strange. Um, life is strange. I mean, not many people yeah. would disagree with you. I mean, it despite the the some of the the I guess contention around yeah. it, it has been very critically well received, and yeah. as far as I can tell, fairly commercially well received, and, yeah. and it's got a big fan base and. You know whether or not I enjoy the game. Uh, clearly, yeah. a lot it spoke here, to a lot of people, here, and I can't take that away from it. Here is the secret about Life is Strange: a lot of female <laughs> critics like it. Shh, <laughs> don't tell anyone, but maybe they made a game that's more marketed at women than men. Shh, Im impossible. I know that the the gaming industry is being ripped out of your hands, Jim. It's being ripped out of yours too, Gavin. They're making games that <laughs> Sorry, aren't for I'm you just... guys. I'm just laughing at how red, like, my sound recording file went when I yelled impossible. It's fine, um, we'll fix it in post. Oh, that's... I'm going to have to normalise some of this. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, your turn. Tell us about a game. All right, well, the next one on my list is on everyone's list, and it's Until Dawn. Yeah. Which... You know what surprises me? Yeah. It's that it was on more... Like, when I wrote my Jimquisition, I said, I don't expect to see this on many Game of the Year lists. But oh, yeah. no. I watched videogamer.com's yeah. uh, Game of the Year thing today, and and people remembered it. Like, yeah. you don't often... Normally, people only remember the games that came out, like, from October onwards for their Game of the Year stuff. But, yeah, people have been remembering until dawn. And, it's, yeah, it got a Jimquisition award. And, yeah, it's... it's I'm I'm happy to see it get the recognition. In my in my opinion, was by far the best example we've seen of a movie game type. Oh fuck yeah! Crossover mm, definitely. thing. It's yeah. it is a brilliant acting, like beautiful looking, like really atmospheric, really fucking gory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some brutal. Like the kills. deaths are brutal. 
Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, there there is one very early on um, that is reminiscent of that torture porn esque series that exists of movies. That yeah. very early my, one. My favorite. Well, not my favorite. One of my favorite that, horror series, I should say. Yeah, that that one was uh, that was a pretty gory early death. To what happened? Yeah, <laughs> it was fucking. I mean, there's there's some incredible visual stuff in there. Yeah, and I love like. I love how cheesy it can be as well. Like, I feel like this was a studio that that just understood, like, both the serious and the silly side mm. of horror and just embraced both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and some people have given me shit for saying that I thought it was well-written and, and well-acted and, and everything. But I, I, thought it was I well stand acted. by it. I thought it was... It was, it was well-written. Um, that show about the country music singer, I don't know what... What's it called? Oh, I don't... Nashville, that's it. The girl, right. the main girl in it, she's in that show as well. She's, ah. a good, she's a good actress. Yeah, there were some great performances. There, one main, uh, uh, without going into spoilers, there's one main character who has a big character turning point yeah. and starts overacting quite a bit. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> fucking brilliant. I understand why the the character was the way they were. But yeah, they they are unsettling and creepy. Um, it was yeah, like the mm. the 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 sequence with that character late in the game, like one of his last sequences, is just like visually incredible. Like from an artistic standpoint, yeah. like the way they directed and paced it. Um, and technically, there's, there's some a very good looking game. I mean, there were, uh, oh, yeah. when, when you pause the game and it does that close up of their face, it's like they're staring <laughs> into your soul. Like, yeah, a little over-animated for my taste. I don't like the creepy Eldritch face <laughs> thing that people do. Um, um, but yeah, like it's it's really a, like, like the artistry of it is really yeah. well done. It's and, there's so much respect paid to horror, and some people could say it's badly written, but I feel like some of that's pulp. on purpose. It's, it's yeah. deliberately campy. In there's the schlockiness right place. to it. Exactly. Um, like, I think like my... the bit where they have the snowball fight while oh, the cheesy God. music plays, like I was laughing, yeah. but laughing for the right reasons because yeah. I'm like, this is perfect. This is like the perfect amount of teen mm. drama. I, I I feel like my big takeaway from Until Dawn at the end was just like they did such a terrific job of taking like multiple different types of horror film and blending them pretty seamlessly into one horror narrative. Where it like it jumps back and forth between being like a like a you're being chased by the madman in the mask to being like a Sora or a hostile film to being the like supernatural film to being like all the different types of horror tropes just wedged into one and it's like wait which one is it which one of these is real which ones are false flags I don't know and no, it's if, great if, at if that. only the stay still thing had worked <laughs> yes that is that is the problem that you had I lost stay two still characters bug. to that. Stupid glitchy staying still. Mechanic. I didn't lose anyone on my first yeah. playthrough because I'm amazing, <laughs> and it's I'm... totally not because I didn't have the bug. <laughs> so yeah, anything so, yeah. else on Until Dawn? Uh, no, I think that's uh, Peter Stromer. Stromer. Str- Peter Stromer. P- Peter Stromer. Peter. The him the. I, like he's one of my favorite actors, and I never remember his name. <laughs> like I can never pronounce it right. Um, I've had people like tell me like this is how you pronounce it, and I never pay attention. Um, but you know he plays Doctor Hill in the game, and just overacts the whole way through. 
and he's fantastic. And I, I love the, the role he plays sort of as this sort of uh, fourth wall breaking element to the game. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the one other thing yeah. I'd bring up about and it. And I'm very excited for the on-rails first-person shooter VR DLC that's coming. <laughs> All praise, yeah, Russian blood. I, I, I told you all. I told you a week before it's it got announced. It's not real, Laura. It's no not one, real. No one believed me. I. It's knew. almost like when you say something and the internet doubts you. Uh, later on, it turns out that you're totally vindicated. Yeah, it's it's almost like sometimes Weird. I have knowledge that I'm not allowed to talk about, and then time goes by, and then you realise that I am a genius, and you all should have listened to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess I guess we'll see that happen again sometime. I, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Um, Jim, game. <laughs> it's it's me, right? Honorable mentions that that didn't go up. Um, oh, oh god, it's tough. You know what? I'll I'll give a nod to um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. There, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles X, um, uh, the second best soundtrack of the year uh, after Undertale, which I'm sure would be brought up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, second best soundtrack of the year. Fucking cheesy as hell. I love the music. I- like it's. Can I just say now, I usually hate, like, I've talked about this on the show before, I usually hate battle themes with lyrics. Xenoblade is the exception, because, my goodness, those really campy lyrics about, like, <laughs> lost in a different world, we're on a whole different planet. Lost in a different world, we're on a whole planet. Kill the monsters. It's so cheesy in the like, much like Until Dawn. It's cheesy in all the right ways when it comes to its lyrical mm-hmm. composition. Oh, did I used to hang around in like New LA just for that bit where it goes one, two, three, four, boom, boom. <laughs> like it just gets me every time. And and Alex, bless her, driving her like up the wall. She couldn't stand it. Like she doesn't. She's not a big fan of of that that type of game to begin with, and that type of music. Yeah. And I'm there just like yelling at her that this is the greatest soundtrack in the world. I recently got myself a new office chair that has like fancy speakers built into it for when I'm doing oh, gaming. Nice. It's a very nice chair, but every time that particular bit of music in New LA was coming up, I just suddenly turn up the, the volume and I'm like, what? Two, three, two, da! I'm like, yeah, I am, I am good. good with this. And everyone downstairs in the living room I, was like, we can hear the bass through the ceiling. I would have to give Halo 5 the best soundtrack I heard this year, actually. Whatever about the game itself, the soundtrack was just incredible. It, it uh, was you, much more you, like the old Halo games than Halo 4's was. M- much as you said on Twitter the other day, you are well, you are welcome to your incorrect opinion. We can disagree. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but outside of the soundtrack, outside of the soundtrack, um, it it is just a marvelous Japanese RPG. Um, you know, one of the best I've played in a long, long time. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, you know, the way they blend sort of... The, they, they took the best from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles and just threw it into a just a, a wonderfully refined experience. There are many people that, that prefer the first Xenoblade to this one. They feel like it, it, it was a bit more special. And, and I, I see exactly where they're coming from. Uh, there is a certain character to Xenoblade Chronicles that Xenoblade Chronicles X doesn't mm. quite have. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles X to me just just as an overall experience is just something so much bigger, so much more ambitious, so like, much more there's so much more to it, so much more meat to it the, um, like the that di- I just got absorbed in. Mm, like the difference with the original Xenoblade, like I can see where people prefer it because rather than having an irritatingly silent protagonist that never says anything, you had a protagonist who was an actual character, you had a slightly more linear narrative that actually 
that fed you some more of that information you might need to do your adventure yeah. it was a bit more of a guided narrative I totally get why some people prefer that plus it did have better um, villains yeah it did have I mean, better villains it, it, yeah, you don't. It, Zenbei Chronicles X doesn't quite have robots oh. going. We, we can't have that. boy. Manado like, boy. There's none of none, no cockney, yeah. cockney it, robots. The the first Xenoblade definitely did a better job of giving you like the initial like reason to personally hate individual villains. Like Xenoblade X takes a long time to like really introduce like individual villains who you have like malice towards but the game itself i think is like amazing i loved being thrown in the deep end and just being like right Mm -hmm. here is five continents if you want to go to that fiery continent off in the distance like right now just jump in the water and swim if you can avoid getting hit by giant monsters out at sea (laughs) you can get there now and yeah, create and a fast then, travel point if you want. And then 20, 20 levels later, one, you know, 20, 20 hours later, once <laughs> yeah. you get into the skull, and then you're like, oh, yeah. now now I can go up and see all of this shit that's up above me. Like, yeah. miles into the clouds, and there's whole world's worth of stuff up there well, as well. Like, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. It's like all of those um, those fast travel points and the, like, the probe points that you could see just out of reach, and you couldn't mm-hmm. quite leap high enough, and suddenly it's like, oh, I can leap now? Oh, yeah, I can get, I can get all these things now. Um, I really liked some of the narrative twists. Like, there's a narrative twist... In that first 20 hours before you get your scales that I think was like, oh, didn't see that coming. Uh, the narrative definitely gets better as it goes on, but... Yeah, there's some I... good twists, some good little oh, twists. gosh, like, yeah. weird twists. Like, when you find um, out what the percentage meter on the uh, the tower's about, you're like, oh, okay, thank you for letting me know. That's actually really cool and terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's a good, good video game. <laughs> Even if you yeah. are lost on a different world on a whole different planet. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yep, that's Endblade, and I will now pass the baton uh, back to Laura. Let's do the one that everyone knows is coming eventually. Let's talk about Undertale. Undertale. That's yes. Undertale. Undertale. I, I quit music uh. just there. <laughs> well, that's fine if you want to quit music. Me and Jim will replace you because we are now lyrical grown. masters. Yeah, we we are the miracles of sound. Yeah, indeed. So <laughs> the miracles. Um, yeah, if, it's if, like a yellow part too. So <laughs> if any of you follow me on Tumblr, you will realize, like, you will be well aware that Undertale is my favorite game of the year by quite a considerable margin. Um, Undertale is that game that I've just gone a little bit crazy for. Um, So Undertale, as we've talked about, and you've probably heard everywhere on the internet by now because everyone talks about Undertale. Oh, people people were... Like, I didn't get... To the the credit of my audience, I didn't get much boiled piss from my awards, but there were a few people who were... Like, one person angrily unsubbed at uh, uh, (laughs) some of the hipstery choices. And and because Undertale is popular, you know, it recently won the game FAQs thing, and there's a lot of people talking about it. I'm going to give you a spoiler that's very similar to Life is Strange. It's a game that a lot of women and gays liked, and a lot of bits (laughs) of the internet don't like that. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's got a very broad audience. Indeed. Um, so, yeah. And, and the thing is, I think that, you know, 
quote-unquote hardcore gamers. There's plenty to like there as well because it's got so many great earthbound it's, like roots to well, it. Yeah, and it was too like, bloody hard for me. Well, exactly. <laughs> even on a gameplay level, like it is. It was not that it was too badly designed for Gavin. It's just no, I couldn't do it. The gameplay I was, was just too, too shitty at it. Which in a way yeah. that yeah, should appeal to hardcore gamers. A game like mm. that. So yeah, yeah. Like I was surprised that there were a lot of people who claimed because because you know they they. You get some people who claim to talk for whole groups, um, but there were people who claimed to talk for real gamers <laughs> who, who call Undertale shit and casual and all this stuff. And it's uh, like, you clearly haven't played you, it. You clearly have not uh, finished a genocide playthrough. You certainly haven't done that. Yeah. You've just seen some of the memes and decided you don't like, it's like it. Oh, there, anyone is, there is a lesbian and they threw someone into a rubbish bin. Oh, no, it's tumbling. Yeah, again. there's... There's no way you can play it and, and think that's just for the casuals. Like that, it's one of the games I would consider to have. Like I'd put it up there next to, and this is gonna be an odd comparison, but it, it, I, I gave it an award last year for a similar reason. Like it's got the kind of anybody's welcome appeal that Super Smash Brothers has because mm. it's got it's got something for everyone. Like it's got this this surface level stuff that that makes it easy to approach for anyone. With this level of challenge that can keep um, you know your, your more long term gamers satisfied, there's just I don't know. It just for me, it, it's a game that I feel like. And it, again, I'm not going to say this in a way that s- diminishes people who don't like it, because if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I find it hard to believe that so many people uh, have come out of the woodwork to dislike it, <laughs> because never have I seen a game that it's so good at appealing to everyone mm. without diminishing its own artistic value. Very, very well said. And, like, thinking back on, on Undertale, I remember the first time I heard about this game was you telling me about it, Jim, and I feel like you completely undersold it to me at the time, because <laughs> the way you talked about it, like, you hadn't met Papyrus yet, if I if I remember correctly. I think I just started getting into it, yeah. Yeah, and you were telling me, like, oh, it's um, it's a JRPG, you've got you've got options where you can do silly things yeah. to get through battles. Well, we should you can point out it's not, it's not technically a JRPG. No, but it's, it's it is very style, it's very style yeah. like a JRPG, but um, y- your selling point was you can date a skeleton, and I was very much like, ha ha ha, yes, I should play i didn't realize how quite how good a game it would be from that i was like eh, it's gonna mm-hmm. be another funny silly dating video i can make but, I've but watched, yeah like the I've, characters I've watched in it on the let's play up to the first um fight with undyne and i have to say it's very very clever especially yeah. the the pacifist ways that they have to get out of things yeah so yeah, yeah. without spoiling any of those like it is a an rpg that is turn-based but that also has like bullet hell mechanics of trying to avoid getting hit. And yeah, you and if you want to play it a certain way, you know, you well, can go as far as to say there's a puzzle element to it as well. Yeah. Yes, definitely, and there is definitely no <clears throat> puzzle element if you play it a different way. <laughs> yeah, certainly not, um, and, and there are many different ways the game plays with you as the player. Yeah, there, there um, are very interesting ways it remembers, like, previous playthroughs. There are very interesting ways that it locks content depending on what you haven't or have done. Um... Yeah, I, like I mean, the I've comment said it. the innkeeper says to you, you look really well rested, which is funny because you were only up there for like a minute. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> the first time I I played this on one PC, I was doing something and I, I accidentally killed a very early, very memorable character. And I was like, yeah. right, I'm going to go back to my save, redo it. And this character from very early in the game goes, I know what you're trying to do. Doesn't change the fact that you killed them. You killed them, and I know you did, and I'm not going to let you forget that you did that. And certain, like, certain characters... 
the character that I killed was oddly nervous of me and they couldn't <coughs> work out why because they didn't know I'd already killed them once. And I was like, oh, mm. oh gosh, no. <sighs> I mean, yeah, there's some genius stuff in there. Like yeah. I've, I've, I've made the comparison several times now, but I feel it's always worth bringing up. Like it is um, easily up there with Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid mm. and, and uh, Scarecrow from Arkham Asylum in terms of just unexpected ways it just demolishes the fourth wall and gets into the player's own head and messes with their expectations um and it's done to such an intricate level in undertale yeah that it's 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 in like i don't know i don't have a brain that can process the spider's web of writing and structure that would be needed to bring all that together the uh, in the uh, i'm gonna try and be unspoilery like toward the end of pacifist there is an option to basically play a new game plus mode if you make some certain choices. Mm-hmm. The way that it wraps like the idea of a new game plus into mechanics and narrative is really interesting. It does so many just like things it does that other games wouldn't put the effort in to do. And I yeah, <coughs> Undertale is a really bloody special game. I mm-hmm. have very little to complain about with it other than just if you're not good at bullet hell, this is going to be a bit of a daunting prospect for Raises you. You might, you might want to be like Gav and watch a let's play with no like vocals happening. Yeah. One thing I found is just like do a bit of not exactly grinding because because uh, you're not doing it for XP depending on which way you're going. But get a lot of gold and stock up on food items. There were a few yeah. shops in the game. And and it really helps. Like there were a few boss battles that like I got through because I um, stocked up on uh, yeah. food security by attrition. Keep keep a hold of any unique items you get for as long as possible. Anything unique you pick up, just keep a hold of it. Just keep it yeah. keep it to hand for a while. Um, so yeah, there we go. Gab, do you want to throw another game in? Yeah. Well, I'll leave Bloodborne off for a while because I think we all have that on our list. Pretty sure so, we do, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk actually about my top two and why I picked one of them over the other one as my game of the year. Okay. So, like, everyone obviously knows what my top two are going to be. It's Fallout and The Witcher. Oh, I thought they were going to be Life is Strange and <laughs> um, Undertale. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Witcher, for me, pipped Fallout as my game of the year. And that was probably going to be surprising to some people, but, like... I love them both so much and it's so close and they both do a lot of similar things very well. But for me, the quests and the story in The Witcher were were head and shoulders above Fallout. And like, if you think back to all the things Geralt got to do in The Witcher, like going into the crime underworld and solving like bank heists and like chasing demon babies around and, you know, helping a possessed clansman... Just all so much variety in all these quests, and sadly, what I really felt let down with Fallout Four was that almost every single quest in the game was just kill everything, and that's why mm-hmm. Witcher is my game of the year and not Fallout. That is totally fair. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you know, people ask why because because I you know I love Fallout Four, and a lot of people asked why it wasn't. A Jimquisition Award winner. I mean, the sim, the simple and most sort of Occam's razory answer was 
there were six better games than it. <laughs> you know, it, it, I love it. I think it's superb. But there were six games I thought that were superber. Mm. Um, and it did just fall short because of those complaints that some people found major complaints. I found them minor. But they nevertheless mm. were enough to stop it being just mm. that quite special grabbing thing that got me, um, you know, yeah. that, that made me consider it properly for an award. Yeah, like, and it's like it's the best world Bethesda have built. And in terms of longevity, I'll probably be playing Fallout Four for a lot longer. Yeah, it's just it just was a little let down by the narrative, especially yeah. after how good New Vegas narrative was. You know. Yeah, I can see that. Like for, for me, yeah. neither The Witcher Three or Fallout Four made it onto my personal list because I am a not games hipster that likes uh, like you know Tumblr games. I think that both of them were absolutely terrific games um i think any other year at, at the very least one of them would have made my games of the year list mm. you've both talked about the fact on the podcast before that you feel like this might be your favorite year ever for video games possibly yeah. um and i've been a little hesitant on that until i started putting my game of the year like shortlist together and yeah. i realized like this is a year where we had metal gear solid 5 fallout 4 and the witcher 3 yeah. And none of them, uh, all three of them were fantastic games. None of them made my game of the year list because there mm. was like a dozen or so games that yeah, I preferred. Like, once you start like looking at it, like actually listing stuff out, you start to realise just how spoiled for choice yeah. we were this like, year. Like I've heard people and talking about how this was a shit year and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, the problem's with you there. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, yeah, just, like, I'm looking at my I think list. it's a shit year if if you, you know... If you're cynical and jaded. <laughs> well, I think if you're a fan of just like one or two real types of games, because yeah. I think what made this year so interesting was the sheer variety that we had. Yeah, like, like, I always do a compilation of game footage before mm. the Jimquisition Awards. Like, I do a little music video thing. And last year it was like, like guns, guns, guns. Like, it was all blood and death and killing mm. to the point where there was some comment on NeoGAF that said it wasn't until I saw Jim's montage that I realised just how violent this year was <laughs> uh, whereas this year I was putting together the footage and it's like you know got Splatoon in it it's got yeah. Undertale in it it's got her story it's got Downwell in it it's got all these that games that bright that, um, jovial tale of Bloodborne as well <laughs> the bright jovial tale of Bloodborne. You know, it's, yeah. there, there was certainly plenty of violence and shooting and sl yeah, stabbing but... this year, but there was so much else alongside like, it. And there was we so we many also new got IP. Like, the best oh. Assassin's Creed game in a few years. Yeah, we did. And we had the first Assassin's Creed years in the well, the first Assassin's Creed game that I think I've ever actually properly liked. Yeah, yeah and like there were so many new IPs this year as well. Like so many new, exciting new franchises that I liked. Yeah. So that was really cool. It's been a good year. And like Metal Gear, while it had its problems with the story, has anyone ever played a better stealth game? I mean, it nope. was just so and ridiculously good. The gameplay was just amazing. For all of the flaws with Metal Gear's narrative, it closed a lot of plot holes in Metal Gear lore that I never thought would be closed. <laughs> yeah. So that's impressive that it found like really natural ways to close can a I, bunch of old plot holes. Can I tell holes. you my absolute favourite moment in Metal Gear? was what? um. <laughs> How I failed a mission because a guy kept running out to a jeep every time I would get to the uh, point. Are you about to say my my favorite thing as well here? You go in before you start similar. the mission, steal his fucking jeep, mm -hmm. kill all his alarms, and then start the mission. And the game actually keeps it that way for you. This it's is very so similar brilliant. to my favorite. Do you remember a certain mission where a load of vehicles are coming at you and you're trying to defend a point, and there's lots of big heavy vehicles firing stuff at you? 
Oh yes, near the I, end. Yeah, I yeah. ran around and just Fultoned everything. I was running up to these <laughs> tanks and they couldn't hit me because I was too low. And I just like dive yeah. next to the tank, Fulton it, dive to the next one, and I just ran around for ten minutes just Fultoning tanks full of soldiers. And it was the best fun I had because mm. Metal Gear doesn't take itself too seriously in combat, and I love that. No, and I love how the game is as easy as hard as you make it. Yes, exactly. If you want to go in completely ghosting everything, you that difficulty's on you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there we go. So that was The Witcher and Fallout 4 and Metal Gear all yeah. at once, I oh, guess. And just Pretty much, yeah. about The Witcher as well, Siri, my favourite video game character ever. She's just so fucking cool. I can appreciate that. I, I, I disagree, loved, but I, loved I can agree. the story of like her balancing her desire to live wild and free with the greater good that would come from her actually accepting her responsibilities. And I thought that was a really nice uh, character arc for her. Yeah. And of course, well, I won't obviously spoil anything, but it's got a few different endings and I thought they dealt with all of that really well in the endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. Jim, you want to do another one? Oh, oh and sorry, oh. one more thing. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Although it had multiple endings, the endings happened based on how you had played throughout the game. Which I yes. thought is really important for games with multi. There was no endomatic machine at the <laughs> end where you pick one of three. It's not like the greatest game ending of all time where you game. have three <laughs> options, which is the greatest ending of all time. Pick one of three things, it's thematically appropriate. <laughs> Limited <laughs> choice is a fantastic thing. <laughs> okay, so, that's yeah. enough about The Witcher. Everyone's sick of hearing me talk about Witcher 3. It's but fine. yeah. I, just for the record, I absolutely did, did and do still love Fallout 4 and still playing it. It's just, it came, it, it was just bad luck it came out the same year as The Witcher, like, you know? I, I put like 50 plus hours into Fallout 4, then started a new playthrough and have put probably as many hours in again. Yeah. And it didn't make my game of the year list, but that doesn't mean it wasn't fantastic. Did you guys find any of the... Um, the kind of uh, vertical walkways and stuff over the city through all the skyscrapers. I only figured that out about 80 hours in. I was like, holy shit, there's a whole entire other city in the upper level of the city. It's fucking amazing. I've seen a few of the high points. Yeah, Yeah, there's... Yeah, I mean, there's stuff in that game that, you know, after the amount I've put into it, like, I'm still discovering new things. I found the hot pink power armor paint. Oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Did you get? I'm traipsing around and like looking. I got the atom. I I found because because I ended up buying the uh, the like the survival guide. Yeah. Um, that had a guidebook in it, and and I was like, right. Because the second I found out there was pink power armor, I'm like, right. I'm getting all (laughs) these paint jobs. So I went through and got them all. I got the atom cats one. I got the 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 flamey one. I got the the pink one. Um. Well worth it. And actually, the mission to get the pink one is, is wonderful. I'm fairly certain it's a big reference to Saw. And, you know, my, my love of Saw is, is uh, you know, it's no secret. So I really... It was that a was fun a really, really way of getting to area, it. wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Jim, do you want to throw us another game? I'll throw another bone on the pile. Another one that didn't quite make the Jimquisition Awards. Uh, whilst Dragon Quest Heroes, The World Tree's Woe, and The Blight Below... Uh, this is a Warriors game, so, you know, hack and slash, all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm a big Dynasty Warriors fan, that is no secret. Um, but what I really liked about this, and what I like about the spin-off games in general, is 
Um, and Mega Force worked really hard to make their spin-off versions of Warriors games feel very different from your, your Dynasty Warriors and your Samurai Warriors. Um, so what they did, you know, with Hyrule Warriors, they made it very tactical with base capturing and all that, kind of even more so than with their Empires games. Whereas with Dragon Quest Heroes, um, they, they turned it almost, uh, a lot of the levels, into a kind of tower defense thing. Um, as you defeat monsters, you can pick up coins they drop and use them to summon them Pokemon style, and they can defend areas for you. So it was a lot more strategic, I'd say, than than other Warriors games, um, but no more, no less fun for it. And the fact they made it party based, you know, you can switch between four characters at once, and they've all got like familiar Dragon Quest spells and skills and things. Uh, so it did feel like an actionized hack and slash version of a traditional Dragon Quest game, which was, it, it's somewhat hard to pull off. I mean, I don't even, as you know, as much as I adored Hyrule Warriors, I don't think they quite managed to get that level of, of marriage down perfectly. Even though I do think Hyrule Warriors was a better game overall, but Dragon Quest Heroes was a better kind of me me melding of two franchises. And it worked really well. And, and you know, I, I, I love Dragon Quest. I love Dynasty Warriors. So it was another one of those cases, like with Zelda, where it was like, this is perfect for me. Uh, and that was, you know, scored it very high. Did, again, didn't quite have that magic to get an award, but most definitely deserved um, some praise this year and, and deserves me having a chat about it now. Um... And so, yeah, awesome, great stuff. Loved the familiar characters that were in it. Um, and I do not regret the, the many hours I spent with it. So that's Dragon Quest Heroes. If you're a fan of the Warriors games and you like Dragon Quest, there's definitely, there's no reason not to try it out. No reason at all. Yeah, all right. Yeah. That is a good one. I, I realise that was a completely personal one, so there's no debate there for that one. That's just well, me that, talking That's probably a, a beneficial thing, because it probably helps us speed through this whole show thing that we're doing, that at this rate is going to be considerably longer than probably it should be, considering how late we started recording. We're, yeah. But it's yeah, fine. We're already I, at an hour. I, I am more than happy to just keep talking into the night, because, you know, <laughs> I have no life. <laughs> uh, so what's my next game going to be? Uh... We kind of mentioned this one a couple of times. Her story. I think yeah. her I story is. I don't have to play is, that one actually. I'm really. I don't I, know why I've not played that mm, one yet. I think her story is kind of a masterpiece. Um, so her story is a game set in the late '90s in England, and you are playing someone who has access to a computer police database of interview clips with this one particular person, and. The only way you can find clips is to search for a keyword and the first five clips chronologically that the person says that keyword, you'll see those clips. And you basically have to look at whatever information's being shared by this one woman who's acting, um, going through all these lines, and work out what's interesting, what do I want to know more about, and you have this sort of interesting non-linear explanation and um, exploration, let me try that again, you have this really interesting non-linear exploration of a narrative that is surrounding a murder, because I don't think that's a spoiler, because the very first word in the search bar to get you started is just the word murder. And there is this spider web of a really interesting narrative that you can see how many pieces of it you found and where those pieces fit in, but there is probably an hour and a half of just raw footage to find, 
And knowing that, like, the clue to breaking what this narrative is is somewhere in there. You're, like, trying to tag things so you can find them later. You'll see something and be like, wait, that refers to something I saw earlier. I want to see how that changes something. You've got to try and find the clip you found before. Mm-hmm. It is a real interesting narrative exploration method where just, like, the way that you are exploring that narrative really helps add to the sense of you are piecing this case together. Yeah. And it it was another one of those ones that, you know, got lumped in with the, you know, SJW game bullshit rhetoric. It It had a woman in it. Because it was called her, I think they got as far as the title because it's called her story. When it's, it's a murder mystery, if anything. Like it's, it's a detective game. Um, And then like you say, it's about piecing together a story and remembering details. It's like that, that mental challenge in the game, uh, in the Krypton factor Mm. where you used to have to rhyme, remember video details. And I think Um, like the interesting thing is like just basically, the fact it's a video game really strengthens that narrative. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I can't often enough say about v- narratives in video games, that they were strengthened by being interactive. Oh, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to just watch this, watch them as a series of YouTube videos, they, there would be less investment. Yes. It's the fact that you are, like, concentrating more to pick up on things yeah. to search like for. Like, you've got a notebook open and you're like, okay, let's find out more about Mrs. Timmins' pub down the road and what was going on there and who was the, who was that lady that that person kept meeting at the pub and you go off on a bit of a spider web of, yeah. of information. And the fact that, the fact that, you know, the screen makes it look like the computer monitor of an old screen from like the 90s or early 2000s um, really just kind of immerses you even more into it. Uh, so that when you're playing it, and there was a moment when I like I said like I'm gonna watch a few more videos and then go do something else, um, and I watched a few more videos and then like an hour later was still there because yeah. I just got drawn in and curious again, yeah, and was sat there in front of visually an old like. Eight, like years, donkey's years old computer monitor, dicking around trying to find, like, get to the bottom of this stuff and find out who is this person, just what the hell's it's going like, yeah, on, just, what happened. I'll just do a couple more videos in order to try and find out, like, just wrap up this plot point so I'm at a cl- like a good place to stop for the night. Oh no, I just discovered something really interesting and that sound effect happened that means I found an interesting thing. Oh no, I have to keep yeah. going now. Because yeah, it's a dun, complete dun, dun. rabbit hole of a game. Yeah, you know? it's like when you go on one of those Wikipedia rabbit holes and you start mm-hmm. like researching a thing that's connected to what you were reading oh, about. God. And... T- TV tropes. Oh god. oh god. Yes. Okay, it's it's the TV tropes hole, but as a <laughs> murder mystery. And it's oh, her story is fantastic. I gave that game a ten out of ten on Destructor, and I'm like, deserves it. Take it, take it, my game. So yeah, there we go. Gav, throw in another game on the pile. Uh, what else do I have down here now? Let's have a look. Well, I had Metal Gear, but we already talked about that. You can talk uh, a bit more about it if you want. We kind of no, skimmed over I it. I kind of kind of said all I had to say about it, really, you know. <laughs> um, I've only really got, like, Bloodborne left now. And a uh, quick mention as well for Ori and the Blind Forest, which was really, really nice. Oh, God, yeah, such a beautiful game. <clears throat> oh, and actually, now that I think of it, GTA Five PC... Also fantastic. I suppose you can have that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, tell us about Bloodborne. What is Bloodborne, Gavin? It's alright. It's alright. It's just a game you hit some people with, with yeah, stuff. You hit people yeah. with swords and 
You get wear some, a fedora and say the lady. Blood. And, yeah. <laughs> it's a good game, isn't it? Pretty yeah, good game. It's, it's all right. It's a pretty good yeah. game. You it's know what? Right. I I actually and you know this is this is just what I've heard online. It won one of those Jimquisition awards recently. Yeah, it won. Now I think it might. I mean, that's pretty hot shit. Yeah, I think it might have won one of them uh, destructive game of the year awards too. You know, it's, it's not that a hard may. one. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> Blimey! I know. It's all going on. A Gav talks about it while snotting all over himself. Award. <laughs> <laughs> the the, mo- the the highest prestige, the highest that accolade a game can get. in video games. Yeah, yeah. Like, the biggest thing I can say about Bloodborne, it is the first game of its type that I really got into. Like, it is the first time that it's like, oh, it's one of those games where if you mess up, you're gonna get murdered over and over until you learn to get good. I generally don't enjoy those games. I really liked Bloodborne. Bloodborne got me into the mentality of how to play Souls games properly. Mm. Brom really have a way with that. I mean, there's not many games for me either that I would have the patience and persistence to get through at that brutal difficulty level. But there's just something... They they design the world in a way that makes you want to see what's around every next Mm -hmm. corner. Yeah. Very few... What they don't... What they do is, like, when when they have the the subtle online elements and this drip feed of rewards and the fact that there is... Even though there are certain things you can risk losing, there are certain things you keep after you die, and there are certain things you can fight to reclaim after you die. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of games that re- rely on trial and error or just, like, die until you get good strip you of everything and kind of demoralise you. Um, for all of its bleakness and narrative hopelessness, um, the Souls games, and you know, including Bloodborne, are some of the most subtly encouraging games I've ever played. Yeah. Very few games Definitely. have ever made me think, that was tough, that scared the shit out of me, that kicked my ass. but I know I've got this. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I've got this. You know that like all you have to do, if you've, if you've just lost a bunch of, um, of experience... Sprint back to where you were, grab that stuff, and run away. If you can yeah. do that, you can recover what you lost. If and you've been unless hit some by... like big hammer dude is after easy. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's always drunk. that. Um, but you've also got like, um, hey, oh no, I've lost where I was going. Now you distracted me, Gav. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah. You get hit by a big swinging hammer or something. And it's like, oh, I lost a load of health. It's fine. If I fight back, I can get it back. I just have to be aggressive and. It's always giving you opportunities to be like, you lost that stuff, but here's a chance to get it back. And that does just keep pulling you back in and in and in and in until, yeah, you've played far too much of it and it's three in the morning. I mean, I'm not going to lie, there were some moments that, like, severe rage quits. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, There was a couple of bosses that I just was dying to over and over and could not get past for the longest time. But you get there eventually. Yep. Like the Dark Beast Pal. For some reason, the Dark Beast Pal caused me so much trouble. (laughs) I was lucky. I I encountered him at quite a high level, I think. So it was just really easy. I encountered him. Just ran up to his feet and... Just yeah. kept hitting him. I encountered him very early and did not have much uh, equipment that oh, was you suited got, to fighting him. You probably him. got kidnapped, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I feel like I yeah, really I got, missed that was out my on first a lot by, with by not Pearl. ever getting kidnapped. Yeah. Because oh, my... there's like a whole other... It's it's the same level, but it's got a different lighting and atmosphere and stuff if you go there yeah. when you get kidnapped. 
Well, like, having been kidnapped, I encountered him very early and was just like, I am not ready for this. It was probably... I think what, what like, makes Pearl tough is is a pure psychological factor because mechanically it is one of the more simplest one of the more simpler bosses out there. Um, it's not that hard, and I'm not saying that to be one of those souls people who are like, "Oh, this was easy." It's like mechanically it's not that hard, but it's one of the most intimidating bosses out there, yeah. and that's why I died within seconds when I first saw it. Because I was frozen to the spot. Because suddenly, this this electrified half-skeletal werewolf bitch from hell just kind of launched at me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and just got eviscerated because I was frozen solid. And it wasn't until I, like... Like, I had to summon, like, a, a spinal cord to really go in there and fight it. And then mm. that's when I got over it. And, and quite, mm. a, quite a number of the bosses in the, uh, Bloodborne do that. Like, it's, it's, it's really good at intimidating the player, um, which throws them off their game on a psychological level, which not a lot of games go for. Not a lot of games really try and upset the player from a psychological standpoint. They try and trip them up purely mechanically. Yeah, Vic but... Vicar Amelia ground my will to live into the dust. <laughs> Vicar Amelia, I somehow beat on the first go. I didn't and then have, I spent, a problem I spent with like Amelia, four but... hours on Dark Beast Pal. <laughs> it was always the, I think for me, the, the boss that got me the most uh, was uh, the Bloodstarved Beast. Oh god. Um, yeah. That was the one that got me. It was the poison. Like I poison in Souls games just mm. it upsets me so much. Yeah. Oh god. The other it's one that nasty. got me was the not the final boss, but the final final boss. The 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 unlockable final boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I was not having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So yeah, Bloodborne. That's a pretty good game. Let's have a Dark Souls 3 next year. It'll be all right. I yeah. hope. Yeah. I really hope they've done a good job. Everything I've seen so far. I've been, I've been limiting my, um, like, too much exposure, as I did with Bloodborne, limiting my exposure. But mm. when I saw what I've seen of Dark Souls 3 makes me really want to play it. I have played about half an hour of it. I fought one boss. I am very excited. As someone who, like... Probably my favourite game from From is um, is Bloodborne. I am very excited about Dark Souls Three, just <laughs> mechanically. Well, that video at the top of that boss fight is just mesmerising. Yeah, that's uh, that is certainly an experience to go fight that thing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Jim, you want to do another one? Yeah, I'll do another one, and I will do. I've actually got my reviews up, so I can check. Um, <laughs> This could be a, an, an unusual one, but I'm going to go with Guitar Hero Live. Okay. Um, because and and I I I didn't consider Metal Gear Solid Five or Guitar Hero Live uh, for a Jim Position Award, mostly because I don't think I'm ever going to give a game with fee to pay elements an award. Mm. Um, you know, microtransactions and shit. Like I'm I'm not. Will probably forever unless hey, they do hey, something hey Jim, incredible. You don't have to pay any money. You can just wait until like the time of day that they decide to let you play the song <laughs> if you're online at the time. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I actually, in theory, love the idea of of a playable music video channel. I, um, I love it when it's supplemented with the option to also buy the track <laughs> if you really like the track to play at any time for a one-off fee. 
when I you... think there, there there are implementation yeah. issues that I can't argue with. Yeah, yeah like um, there are ways they pre- they structured it that yeah. could have done with so much. Because that, that's the thing. If you'd had that as an option to like buy outright any song from that service, I'd have loved it because it's a great way to find new music and to play stuff you wouldn't otherwise play. But when one of your favourite songs in Guitar Hero Live is only on Guitar Hero TV and it only comes around like a couple of times a day if you're lucky and you can't practice playing it at your own will, that's not so great. No, and I totally understand that. And it was, you know, again, that was why it wasn't in the running for an award because I, I can't give an award to something like Plus that. Plus that fucking um, cringy ad with Lenny Kravitz and What's-His-Face. <laughs> it was pretty cringy. That, that, that immediately relegates it out of the Game of the Year award. <laughs> <laughs> but as a game, as, as a rhythm game... Um, I adored it. Like I, I, I genuinely loved it. And I, you know, I liked it better than Rock Band. I thought it was more original. I loved the way they changed the way the controller works. Um, just there, there was so much about it that I really, I, I thought was fresh and interesting and, and grabbed me. Um, I loved actually the the cheesy FMV stuff oh, they were doing. So with, it's so like heart wrenching and terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, like it really is like like seeing the crowd booing at you and the bandmates looking at you like you're a piece of shit um, was it, it's something special and it's yeah, not, like I, I I'm just not thought keen it was to, uh, <laughs> no, I can imagine that would be quite harrowing. <laughs> I've had gigs um, like that. Yeah, in the some past. flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as as a as a rhythm game, it cutting through the bullshit, and I can't deny there's there's plenty of Activision bullshit in it. Um, and ignoring just the, the huge hard-on the game has for Avenged Sevenfold. Um, what? Okay, I really... This is, like, an unpopular opinion. I do not get them at all. I get I certain I, eras of their music. I don't get their whole their catalogue as a whole. Yeah, They're fun. not really a band I listen I, I listen to. I don't, I, I don't think... I mean, I've played, like, one or two of their songs on Guitar Hero Live, but I can't mm. remember them. I don't find them particularly they, memorable. They, they, There's they something are, they're just so kind of just... Clean and clinical about mm. their music, or they, something. And they, the drums they, always sound like a little lunchbox. They are a band I enjoyed very much, aged fifteen to seventeen, while I was trying to convince everyone that goth is how I was going to re- live the rest of my life. There was something <laughs> very appealing about them at the time. <laughs> I just I don't get why Activision is in love with them so um, much. Like it, it, they really make the rest of the music look like a second string. Because they have a really, really big audience, even if that yeah. audience isn't us. And yeah. Do you remember they're that? They very were, they, happy to license out their Ops music too. to anyone. Or was it Ghosts? They were definitely, they actually were themselves in a Call of Duty game yeah, playing they a were. song. Yeah, yeah. Activision Ghosts, must just have something with them. Probably. But yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't disagree with you, Jim. Like, mechanically, I bloody love Guitar Hero Live. I think... It really did a lot in terms of like the switching up of the the way the guitar works and the FMV elements they introduced really did a lot to refresh music rhythm and to sort of be like, yeah, this is why you should get excited for this as a genre right again. Back, blow nose. No problem. Yeah, it really did a lot to sort of refresh why that is a genre I should be interested in. For me, having the... Uh, some of the songs I liked most were in the Guitar Hero TV side rather than in the shipped on disc stuff. And that just really soured my experience more than I, I wish it would. If you like the tracks that are in the actual like base game, then yeah. you'll like this more than I did purely by virtue of not getting quite as wound up by that as I did. But 
I was ready to love this game, playing through the single player all in one go. Like, if I'd stopped with the single player, I'd have been like, yep, brilliant, this is wonderful, I love it. And then I dug into like, oh, I heard there's a My Chemical Romance song on the Guitar Hero TV. Oh, God, what have I done? I've ruined this experience for myself. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that. That was that. Yeah. So, yeah, Guitar Hero Live, um, you know, if not for some missteps, could could have had a greater chance of getting an award from me this year. Um, but I'm passing back to you, Laura. What else Pass you got? Pass back to me. Uh, what's there? We haven't talked about Rise of the Tomb Raider yet. We have not, no, and uh, I cannot blame people if they've got it on their list. Yeah, uh, I have it on my list considerably. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider is an absolutely fucking amazing game, in my view. Um, as someone who really liked the first, like, the Tomb Raider reboot back in 2013, but had some problems with things like ludonarrative dissonance, and, like, so just some problems with the way that the narrative meshed with the mechanics, for me... Rise of the Tomb Raider is nothing but an improvement. Um, it yeah. fixed a lot of those narrative those narrative holes. It gave you a variety of different environments to explore. Um, I know that this was a bit of a downside for you, Jim, rather than plus, but I loved the constant, like, there is always something in every direction to go find, and the sort of ever-expanding, like, there are in- unlockables everywhere, and I loved that. And I really mm-hmm. like what they did with Lara as a character. I really enjoyed, um, like, talking about some very early plot point stuff. There is a very early mission where you raid a tomb. The thing you're looking for isn't there. Some other big bad people come in to try and get the thing that you were there for. And you pull a real... Like, you're terrified, clearly. Lara is terrified. But she pulls a really badass turnaround on them and she's like, I'm terrified, but I'm not going to let that stop me from taking control of this situation in an unexpected way. And I'm just like, oh, I love... Does she murderize everyone? (laughs) No, but she very much gets out of a difficult situation. I'm really looking forward to the the PC version of this. I I tried the Xbox version. I just couldn't deal with the frame rate. She, She gets underestimated and uses that to her advantage in some interesting ways. I like what they're doing with Lara. She is... This incarnation of the character is one of my favourite female protagonists in video games. So, yeah. by the virtue of that alone... I'm, I'm with Rise you on that Tomb one, Raider. definitely. Yeah, the, really bloody good. <coughs> I, If you like the first Rise of the Tomb Raider, I feel like, for me, this one is only an improvement. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really, really looking forward to the PC version. Yeah, which apparently is like a month away at, at most. So that's good for you, Gav. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a damn fine game. Um, I found it a bit too um, a bit too high on collectathon and secrety things. Yeah, it I, kind of made me. I love that shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm I, a lot of it. people do. For me, it makes me a little too like mm. afraid to move forward in games, it, and I find that very frustrating. It can in mm. some cases, but like I I could tell which collectible things were like important ones and which ones I could I could leave aside if I wanted to, and that put me at ease considerably <laughs> but yeah i can see how that would be a bit yeah. of a turn off so yeah rise of the tomb raider that's a triple a game that i liked this year gavin you have any more games that you like this year um i can't really think of anything off the top of my head let me just have a look through my steam list there from this year and see if there's anything uh i guess i i know you've had another couple of games so why don't you uh you chat away while I'm, I look through my Steam okay. list. Do you want to do another one then, Jim, while Gav's having a look? 
Yeah, I will give a uh, nod to Transformers Devastation. Oh, uh, I c- for being fucking fun. I completely forgot about that, and that is yep. Yeah. Hell yeah, Transformers Devastation. First of all, it's got someone who's doing a proper screamy Starscream voice. <laughs> I mean, they're not Chris Latto, but so many of so many Starscream um, voice actors in the modern day go with like hissy Starscream, like he sounds like this. And this one actually had a Starscream who was like this. Um, <laughs> and we've not had that since like Tom Kenny. Um, <laughs> who did Transformers Animated, who is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, who apparently, if you make SpongeBob SquarePants sound a bit nastier, you get a really good Starscream. <laughs> um, so, and, and I wish they'd kept Tom Kenny on as like the more default Starscream ever since, but I think he only ever did Transformers Animated. But whoever they got to do him in um, Devastation was really good. The combat was really good. Um, they just like like the way they turned transformations mm. into combat attacks was really nice. It was very tight, very solid, beautiful looking game. I mean, the cell shaded visuals making it look just like the G one cartoon mm. was just amazing. Yeah, amazing. In terms of the combat, like you give Platinum Games like a good selection of interesting characters, and they will make you a character action uh, control scheme that feels good. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, this was the B team as well. I mean, mm. people were cynical because these were the people who did Korra, which yeah. uh, wasn't I, too well received. I, I feel like the problem with Korra is they were pretty hamstrung in what they could do. They were narratively given, like, you have to fit between these two series of the TV show. Mm-hmm. You have to have an arbitrary constraint as to why she's lost all her powers and has to regain them across the game. Whereas Transformers was just like, no, we'll give you the Transformers. They'll do awesome stuff right from the get-go. Yeah, right, I mean, whatever like who the you fuck cares. In its own canon. Yeah. And and yeah, it, it worked really well. It's 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 gorgeous. Um, my one, I guess, my one criticism is the the fact that you could only play as Autobots. Transformers I mean, Devastation a, Two. Yeah, I mean, if if it happens, you know, I want to get some Decepticons up in there because I mean, it's pretty I, I disappointing really with that stuff. title that you don't get to play as Devastator. Yeah, I mean, he's in it a lot. You know, you fight him several times, but it would be fun to play as Devastator. Is there a Constructicon superior joke in there for the G1 fans? I can't remember. There are a few little, like, jokes and references, Mm. but I don't think there's that. Um, But you do... The Constructicons themselves feature quite a bit as, like, separate characters and stuff, which is cool. Um, (coughs) And they have the... um, uh, I think they're called the Predacons as well are in there a lot. Um... They do several sort of cool things. There's plenty of Megatron berating Starscream yeah. as well, and uh, Shockwaves in it. Like there's there's some there's there's a fight I think with um, Soundwave who's like just like throwing cassette tapes at you, so you <laughs> fight all of those. Um, so yeah, really good, really good stuff, I'm, and and just just a fine game. It gets really quite tough as well in places. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game they're making. Because mm. I'm very excited to see them take a second 80s cartoon that Michael Bay turned into a AAA action, live action movie franchise that was not critically well received, and then Platinum got their hands on and did a really cool game with. Yeah, I would like so, to see that. I, I, I mean, if they, if, they do, <laughs> if they do what they did with Devastation and, and give it like that nostalgic treatment and make it the kind of... The, the stuff that people of my generation remember Turtles being. Like, I would be very, I, very excited. I feel like if they're allowed to, they will. Because they've yeah, proven I their see track some... record with exactly this situation uh-huh. already. I want to see me some Krang. I want to see me some Bebop and Rocksteady. <gasps> yes, please. Um, 
you know, sadly we can't get, um, you know, the original voice of Shredder anymore. Um, no, but... but if we can get someone who can do a, a good impression, like, I'd, I'd just, I'd be very happy. Yeah. So there's that. Gavin, did you find another one you want to talk about? Yeah, there's two, well, there's two games that, while it's not like what I would consider like classics, two games I had a lot of fun this year with were Mad Max and Dying Light. I, I really enjoyed both of those games. <laughs> my only my only real thoughts on Mad Max is the energy drink they have that's branded to it. Um, I live, I die, I have heart palpitations again. <laughs> I liked it. I enjoyed that game, and I thought Dying Light, um, like it had issues, but the parkour was really fun. I thought it was a lot better than Dead Island. Yeah, that's good. There yeah. we go. Uh, I got a couple more quickly. Uh, Dropsy, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful game. You played this as well, I believe, didn't you, Jim? Most likely. Most likely. Do you not remember Dropsy? That's the thing about the clown, isn't it? It's the thing about the clown that just wants to give everyone I don't know. To be honest, honest, I didn't hear you mention the name already and thought you were leading into mentioning it. No, 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 I'd mentioned Dropsy. My mind completely didn't hear you say Dropsy, (laughs) which I definitely did play, and it's another game I I forgot to give an honourable mention to on the show. I did have my moment where I was like, have you really forgotten Dropsy, Jim? I thought you really liked it. How did you forget it? It's hard to forget, yeah. Yeah. It is... Uh, a game that is creepy and in t- at times like visually disturbing and yet like disarmingly heartwarming oh, and charming at yeah. the same time. So for anyone who hasn't played Dropsy, it is like it's a point and click adventure of a terrifying looking clown who just wants to be loved and no one wants to love him because he looks terrifying. So with no words, you just go out into the world, do good deeds for people so they see the good in your heart and they let you give them a hug. And then it gets really sad and terrifying at places. Because it's a heart-wrenching story of a clown who just wants love. And oh. it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh. And he just wants to make people happy in yeah. a world where, like, you know, his kind ain't welcome round here. Yeah. And and it's just, yeah, there are moments, like, there, there's a moment early on that just, like, you know, it was all funny and bouncy and silly at first. And then I get to this one moment and I'm like... Mm. Well, that's my heart just, it's, like, crushed. It's the first time you have one of those moments of, oh, yeah, everyone loves him, everyone loves him. Oh, God, not everyone loves him. Oh, no. Oh, no, I can't take this. Spe- speaking yeah, of likable likeable fellows that want to make everyone happy, Mike Bithell's volume was good this year. Yeah, volume was... I, volume I was pretty, pretty happy with. Um, it's got some fantastic voice acting in it. Oh, indeed it does, Jim. Disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. <laughs> Um, I hear the DLC might have some fantastic voice acting. Oh, in it might as well. it do? Might it do? Is, <laughs> it might, it is, might do. Is that a maybe? Might be exclusive? You just done? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to have said that. Should, should I edit around that, Jim? No, no, don't bother. Okay, um, okay, you didn't hear about it, anyone? I, actually, censorship. I, I, I don't think. I don't think he sent... The, I haven't invoiced him for the check for the checks. We might need to be... Just to, nobody <coughs> tell him I said anything. Um, Wait for the check to clear. Yeah. Volume, <laughs> volume I really liked. Um, my big feeling on volume was that... Stealth is not generally a genre I'm good at. Um, Same. Mark, Mark of the Ninja I was okay at because it was very... Um, 
as a 2D stealth game, it was very good at laying out its sort of um, visible and invisible conditions and that sort of thing. And I felt like Volume did a good job of doing that in a sort of 3D isometric top-down view. I liked the narrative. I liked what it was going for. I felt it had some serious plot holes and I feel like it ended on a really, like, unexciting note. I think there were also some pacing issues with how that narrative was put across and when it was put across. But gameplay-wise, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed volume. Um, I really liked the acting, even if there are definitely places where, like, that narrative that the people were acting could have been trimmed down. It was definitely a decent game. It was an enjoyable game. It's not one that's, like, best game ever. I am amazed by this. I came... I came away with a lot more criticisms than I expected to, but that being said, like, it's not a bad game by any means. I'm really happy about the time I put into it. I'm probably going to play it again when it comes out on Vita soon, but I'd completely, like, forgotten about it from my discussion list, which I wouldn't have done for Thomas Was Alone. I didn't feel like it was quite the same tight, polished, focused narrative. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was my volume thoughts. Gavin, I kind of hijacked that. What did you think of volume? Oh, I just really liked it, but um, like with you, I am terrible at stealth, so I found it quite frustrating at times. Yeah, there, there were times where I was gaming the system and just being like, right, let's sprint past this enemy, hit the checkpoint, get murdered, but I'm on the other side of the checkpoint now, so I'm fine. There was a few of those to get through. Yeah, it was very liber- liberal with the checkpoints, thankfully. Yes, which definitely helped because I suck at these kind of games. Um, I feel feel you, I feel you. (laughs) (laughs) I've lost where we are in the circle because we've gone back and forth a bit. Um, Well, I don't really have anything else to talk about, so you... uh... I'm just looking if I've got anything else. Um, I think last one on mine is The Beginner's Guide, which me and Jim did a bit of a spoiler cast on a few months back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to kick us off on The Beginner's Guide? Um, yeah, well, I mean, it won a Jimquisition Award. Um, it was one of my six picks for games mm. of the year. Um, and it is, it, it's a game that meant a lot to me. It's a game that brought a lot of personal feelings out and made me comfortable for the first time really talking about a lot of those personal things. Yeah. You know, my review of The Beginner's Guide <coughs> that I wrote, it's on the Jimquisition.com. It's very spoiler free. Um, it is one of, I believe it to be one of the best, you know, I'm talking about my own work here, but I believe it to be one of the best um, things I've ever written. Um, it is a game that spoke to me, and and there's been a lot of debate, there's been a lot of debate about so-called fringe fan theories and things regarding the game, um, but it's one of those, and I think we said this in the spoiler cast, it's a Blade Runner thing to me. People say, you know, oh, Coda's not real, uh, all this stuff. <laughs> to me, it doesn't matter. <coughs> it's It's the... It's it's the journey, not the not whatever resolution there is, um, and the journey was for me an incredibly raw, honest one that was not only introspective of the the person doing the talking in the game, but made me feel very introspective mm. about myself as a creator of content, as someone who who tries their best to predominantly be an entertainer uh, and how they go about being that entertainer and how they go about uh, responding to criticism and people's <coughs> analysis of your work. Uh, it's a game that just... It, it it meant a lot to me on a personal and professional yeah. level. Like, putting aside any recent things that people might think we're going to talk about this week, but we're not because we're being positive, um, mm-hmm. just talking about my personal experience with that game, 
I agree with Jim. There was a lot of very personal stuff that, for me and my personal experience with that game, really got me thinking for a long time after finishing it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the themes of bits of that experience to do with things like um, sources of... Um, oh, I'm I'm lost on my word here. What's the word I'm looking for? Um... um Validation. Um, in terms of thinking about like the sources of validation I get, whether it's external validation or internal, and getting myself thinking about like how healthy is the way that I view my successes on like personal levels versus the success of the content from a more external standpoint, it got me thinking about a lot of very interesting stuff about the art of creating, the art of critiquing, the position that critique has surrounding the creation of work, um, the idea of whether you can be happy as a as someone who critiques but does not create and it got me thinking about a lot of very interesting things that have stuck with me for several months after finishing it. I think it is a very, very interesting hour and a half that has been very well built in spite of anything else. So The Beginner's Guide is a really damn interesting game that I think we're going to have conversations about it crop up over time. It's The conversation about this game is not over yet, and we will, we yeah. will see conversations happen over time as the state surrounding that game evolves. The Beginner's Guide saga will evolve. I was very surprised to find out that a lot of people thought it was a work of non-fiction. I, in, I was really surprised to find out that people thought that. Talking about this in like the least spoilery way possible and referring as little as possible to some stuff this week. Like even um, with the legalities of putting yeah. something like that on Steam. Well, like, here, <laughs> here, is, here is the thing... Um, I understand where that comes from in that, at the very least, the way that those credits for that game start, it seems to heavily imply that, if not directly about a real person, that there is someone who this was heavily based on, etc. I know when I reviewed this game and recommended it heavily, a lot of people came back to me who had interpreted it differently to me, and there are some very interesting reasons as to why. But, like, there is a long conversation to be had about that game, and I think probably a year to two years from now we're still going to have conversations crop up here and there about this game. It's going to be interesting to see those. So that Mm -hmm. is the end of my discussion on that matter, and we shall say no more. (laughs) So... Um, uh, Okay, so I guess everyone's used up their ones. So after, after talking about, you know introspective games like uh, The Beginner's Guide and stuff like that. I've got one more Ooh, to go with, what, one what more honourable on? mention. Everybody's um, gone to the I, rapture. <laughs> no, but it is in the same vein. You know, we are talking about games that, that have these deep introspective Talking meanings. about boring Tumblr game walking simulators. Yeah, and I think this, you know, some people might be a bit annoyed because this one might be kind of the epitome of that this year. Uh, the kind of things that, that pissed off a certain group of, of, of core gamers and didn't really appeal to them. I'm, and I'm very of, curious where this is going. Yeah, like it's... it's and, and I'm hesitant to bring it up because I don't want people to be um, to be mad because they've already, you know, had a go at me for all my hipstery stuff and everything. <laughs> uh, so it is, it is with trepidation that I do mention that uh, 
I think the last game that deserves to get a, a reference on this is uh, Shower With Your Dad Simulator 2015. Oh, yes. You still shower with your dad! Oh, my goodness. One of the... One of... A game that is so much better than it had any fucking right to be. It, it uh, is, I think is the best way to it sum it up. It is a terrible, up. stupid joke that somehow turned out fantastically. Yeah, it, it's a game that, that is a one-note joke, and yet they found so many ways to make that note sound different and <laughs> and got deeper into it. Um, and, and was just such a surprising game when, compared to so many similar joke games on Steam, like so many joke games that hit Steam really are that one-note joke, and you play it for, like, five minutes, and you're like, it, it stopped being funny at the title screen. Whereas this, like, the way it opens up and changes things and just just goes off the rails is something I just found utterly delightful. Um, and, and, and even though I joked about, you know, upsetting certain people, there are certain people who are still mad at me for liking it so much. You know, some people are upset that I liked it more than Senran Kagura for some reason. Um, they, they, they're trying to make some hypocritical statement about that. I, I don't get it. Uh, there are, of course, it's other people that... It's you Pixel Willy. Oh, no. Oh, no, there was um, Pixel Willy. It had nothing to do with the fact that Senran Kagura was a load of shit. Um, but anyway, um, some people were upset because I reviewed it right after Mad Max, which, of course, I quite famously wasn't a fan of. Um, so, so there has been some boiled piss in my continued praise for Shower With Your Dad Simulator. But for me, it just... It was this year's biggest surprise uh, in terms of... Not in terms of, like, you know... Um, sleeper hit status just within itself it was such a such a, a treasure box of weird stuff uh that that just really kind of appealed to me like the the the, uh, the main idea is weird and sketchy and yes you can see willies but but the 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 stuff behind the hood is just i mean it just it just the game goes places you know it's not frog fractions level of of brilliant but the game goes places uh, when it couldn't have um, done so, when it could have just rested on its oh, laurels and just yeah. let the weird factor be its one selling point, it just goes further and further and further, and 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 that's what made it a, a delight for yeah. me. In in that same vein, I do want to give a couple of quick shout outs to small weird things I played this year that mm-hmm. I think deserve a little quick shout out. Um, mm-hmm. Kindness Coins is a very short uh, visual novel adventure type game about. The idea of, like, in visual novel dating sims, generally, by doing the right niceness <coughs> actions, the person will fall in love with you because you gave them enough kindness coins. And basically playing the other side of that dating sim narrative, where you are playing the person that the protagonist has been giving the kindness coins to. Very interesting little game. Uh, Sonic Dreams Collection was this year. <laughs> that that was, that was a thing. Um, tickle the feet gaze into his eyes, do all of those things. Um, I played Pregnant Minion Girl this year, which was wonderful. A, 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 a moment of pure bliss in the gaming calendar. You uh, have to help a, a female minion give birth, and it's, it is oh, something yeah. very special. Oh, yeah, I remember special. you talking about that one. Um, mm-hmm. Last couple, very quickly. Um, what's there? My Nigerian Prince, a very short visual novel about... Uh, 
you get an email from a Nigerian prince offering you all of his <coughs> money, and there are a few things you can do with interesting consequence. And uh, John Cena's dexi- sexy dating... Uh, what is it? John, C- <laughs> John Cena's sexy high school adventure 2, which came out this year, and took a one-note joke and managed to up it and to impress me a second time around. So That's good to know. There you go. There, good it, there is weird, weird <laughs> Laura Bate Games the Year of Awards. Awesome. Um, I can hear in your voice that Mead's doing the trick. Um, <gasps> hey, 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 I am fine. You are you, slurring a little you bit. You just wait for the drunk cast. It's going to be lovely. <laughs> it's going to be a fun time next week. So I guess that's it for our kind of sort of look back at the year of games, what we liked. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Um, Laura, people would love to see more of your stuff online. They really want to know about it, and you've got to tell them. Where can they go and see it? I've got to tell you where to find it. Well, you can find everything I do at Laura K. Buzz in some shape, way, or form. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter is where you will find me consistently talking about the things I've created or getting myself into some hot water. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube is where you will find me doing videos of stuff. I've got a two-hour-long video on Minecraft Story Mode Episode 4 going up the same day as this episode. Uh, LauraKBuzz.com, you will find links to everything I publish, be it podcast, video, written content, everything ends up on there. And Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, which is the bit that pays the bills. Excellent. And Gavin, um, my poor, my poor sick friend, who I do wish gets better as a Christmas miracle. Um, you do do music when you're not sneezing and, and snorting and having a bad time. And how can people find out about the lovely noises that come out of your head? You can go to Twitter, Miracle of Sound. Uh, you can also go to YouTube, Miracle of Sound. And you can now go to iTunes to get my new album, which is out now on iTunes and Amazon and all of the different doors what is it what is it called gav it's called level six level six on itunes um yeah level six full of great music give it a listen uh or we'll piss on your hair or shit in your (laughs) pint yeah we we, we won't do this i tried to laugh and i was i was coughing uh, poor gavin's dying um so we'll we'll push off now uh thank you for being here um you know it's it's a good time. It was a good, we had a good show, nice positive yeah, show yeah. for your Christmas Eve. If you're listening on Christmas Eve, um, do have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas. You know, whichever whichever phrasing works best for you. I, I don't have care. a happy Winterval um, Festival of Christmas Hanukkah and all of the other yeah. related things. If the flying s- candle night, the my brother, my brother, my brother and me say it. If the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster has a holiday around this time, I happy do, whatever actually. that one is. I'm sure I they think somebody do. did organise one actually. Yeah, uh, yeah there so you go. If you are a practice of that religion have a happy holiday of whatever holiday you or of, have or of course if you're a practitioner of of my own religion um you know you can celebrate jim's must day uh, which is you know perfectly fine um although do bear in mind that my actual birthday is january 1st so that's coming up soon if you want to go look at my amazon wish list and maybe buy me expensive toys <laughs> not that i'm saying you have to uh, or maybe just kick some money on my patreon it's it's up to you um 
but yes, yes. So that's all all fine and dandy. But do have a good holiday season, whatever you're you're doing. Um, even if you're just going to sit alone and wank, I hope you enjoy doing it. That's the main. Make, make thing. sure that you have some tinsel wrapped around your your, your nipples if you're going to do so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so if you're diddling yourself, um, do it with tinsel, please. Um, just because. Just in in honor of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bye. Um, we'll see you next week. Bye. bye. bye.